If you have your Bible today, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you want to look it up on uh, your phone, uh, that's fine too. 2 Corinthians 5, starting at verse 11. And I believe that these are some of the most important words that Paul, the apostle, ever wrote. Jesus said some more important things because he was Jesus, but Paul as one reconciled to God with this command to reconcile the world to God, ushers these words that have the power to reconcile us to God and reconcile the world to God as well. Yet so often we ignore them. And because of that, our world is so divided. We have all this tension As we look to a new year, I'm on this side, I'm on that side. I believe that and I believe this. And something's happened in our culture where we have turned our back on those who are different from us. And there is an army of people, millions and millions strong, around the world who have the power to heal the brokenness in the world. But the problem is that so often we do not realize our responsibility and we just join in the shunning and the backturning and it just makes things worse. The good news of the gospel is that a couple of thousand years ago, Jesus saw a division worse than the division that we're seeing in our world today. It was a division between him and us. And he says, I got to do something about this. I got to take the first step. And that step turned into a stride. And as he strode through the earth... And as he loved people, and as he taught a new way, and as he made that journey to the cross that would forgive us and show us the full extent of his love, he bridged that gap. He reconciled us with God. That's why we're here. That's why we worship. That's our hope, is that through Jesus, we have been reconciled to God. That's the good news. But what comes with that reconciliation is a responsibility to be a reconciler. We have been reconciled with God, yet so often we turn our back. And if we have truly been reconciled with God, we have no right to turn our back because we have been given what Paul calls the ministry of reconciliation. Paul also says elsewhere that we are all part of the priesthood of all believers. And what he's saying in that radically um, formative verse is that every single one of us who has been reconciled with God is a priest for God. When we hear the word priest, sometimes we develop some uh, negative connotations or, or wrong connotations. But the word priest literally means bridge builder. 
And what Paul is saying is that we who have been reconciled have a responsibility to be build bridges. And I'm not sure there's ever been a time in humanity's history where the call needs to be so clear to the church that we need to be bridge builders. That we need to stand strong and become a bridge that brings people together. Not initially politically, not initially emotionally, but primarily with God. Once we're reconciled to God, we can experience reconciliation in all other areas of our life as well. And so Paul, in this letter, he gives some instruction as to how to do that. How do we, who have been reconciled, become reconcilers? And I think the first thing that he does is an instruction to evaluate, to review our hearts. Is our heart in the right place for us to be ministers of reconciliation. This is what he said. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to God, we work hard to persuade others. God knows that we are sincere. I hope that you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We're giving you a reason to be proud of us so that you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we're crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love compels us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we believe that All died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Very quickly, three things in this verse that Paul is saying that we need to to use to review our hearts. First of all, he says, you need to ask the question, what is the motivation of your heart? He says, I'm doing what I'm doing, even though it seems crazy to some, because I love God, and therefore I love them. And because I love God, I am compelled to do something about that. He, he, he says in this, there are, there, are, there are two motivations that are driving me forward to bring reconciliation. The first is that I'm afraid of God. That that doesn't sound very Christian. It doesn't sound uh, in in line with what we talk about. But he says here, I I understand that I have a fearful responsibility before the Lord. And so often we dismiss fear in this context by saying, well, he means means in awe of God. And and he doesn't. Here here the word for fear is uh, where we get our word uh, phobia from, right? He's saying that if I don't do the thing that God has called me to do, which is to bring reconciliation, then I'm afraid that God is going to get me. 
And again, as we talk about grace, and he does later on, and we talk about the love of God, we, we neglect this idea that we have a fearful responsibility before God to do something with our faith. We say fear is the wrong motivation. I don't want to do anything out of fear because perfect love <laughs> drives out all fear. We should fear God because if God asks us to do something and we don't do it, then we can be in all kinds of trouble. You know, sometimes fear isn't a bad motivator, right? So sometimes fear gets us to, to, to do things we don't, we don't want to do. It's not necessarily wrong. But he also says there's another motivation. He says Christ's love compels us. I have to bring reconciliation. I have to share the gospel because I have been loved so powerfully that I just can't keep this love to myself. What's he saying? Whether you're motivated by fear or love, you've got to be about the business of reconciliation. He says, review your heart. What's your motive? Is it fear? If so, okay. Is it love? That's great. But do something. Don't do nothing about this great call that we've received because we've been recognized and reconciled with God. Second thing he says about the state of our heart, many of us lose this. It's an important thing to realize, great goal to have as we move into the next year. He says, we must be sincere. We must be honest. There must be integrity within us. The negative way of, uh, of this call to sincere, sincerity is to say, don't, don't be a hypocrite. If we're going to invite people to be reconciled with God because we're reconciled with God, we have to run away from hypocrisy. And the only way to do that is to have a sincere heart. And the only way to have a sincere heart is to have a vulnerable heart. One of the reasons that we have so much division is because we don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable anymore. And again, we've all been hurt when we've been vulnerable, and we know the pain of that. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't give up on being honest and sincere and vulnerable in our hearts. Paul is saying, hey, if you want to get on this reconciliation ride, which is where the gospel takes us, you've got to check your motivations of your heart. You've got to be sincere. And thirdly, he says, you've got to change your perspective towards people. Again, one of the reasons that we have so much division in our culture is because we have the wrong perspective of people. This is what he says right at the end. He says, we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently we know him now. I had a friend who had this bumper sticker. I didn't like it because I thought it was kind of new agey and out there. It didn't have enough context. And it says we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. And while I didn't like there's no context around that, that bumper sticker is exactly right. Right? 
We are spiritual beings having a human experience rather than humans having a spiritual experience. And one of the problems that we have that causes so much division is that we view people not as children of God, but as competitors, as other humans. Paul is saying if we want to be involved in reconciliation, we've got we to find our motivation We've got to bring sincerity to our heart, and then we've got to start seeing people differently. Tracy and I have been doing this uh, devotion uh, recently, and we need to get back on track with it a little bit more. But one of the things that was so uh, paradigm shifting for me is it says, husbands, you need to see God not as your father, but as your father-in-law. So Tracy is not just my wife, she's God's daughter. And so how I treat her affects more than just how I treat her and the kids, right? You see, meet the parents. (laughs) And that little phrase, God is my father-in-law, is changing my perspective on people. People are... I loved their precious, whoever they are, whatever they've done, no matter how different they are. First thing that Paul says is, if you want to be about this business of reconciliation, which you need to be because you've been reconciled with God, first of all, you've got to review your heart. question is not what's your motivation, it's are, are you motivated? That, that's tempered with this idea of, of, of integrity and sincerity. And he says, you've got to change your perspective as well. Don't see, see people as enemies. See them as children of God. And when you see them as children of God, you'll love them better. The first thing he says is, if we want to be about this business of reconciliation, we have to review our heart. But if we're honest in reviewing our heart, and if we were to give ourselves a grade as to how we're doing, we would probably fail. And in fact, I can drop the word probably from that statement because we would fail. Because the standard for what a right, loving, motivated, sincere heart of is, is unreachable for us. We just can't get there. And we try to take all these incremental steps, but for every step we take forward, we find ourselves taking five back because we just can't get the right reconciliating heart on its own. And Paul knows this. And so he says, this means because we fail having a healthy heart, that anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. All this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Reconciliation requires a review of our heart and that review fails So reconciliation demands that our heart is recreated by Christ. 
If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone. Part of the problem as to why we're so divided is that we're not prepared to trade our old, broken, not working, hurtful, division-creating heart for a new heart of love and reconciliation that only God can give. Some of us have made resolutions this year, and that's great. There's a lot of wisdom in doing that. But there's a big difference between trying to get better in our heart and having our heart changed and transformed by Christ. What Paul is saying is that our heart is not just going to be re-educated or reformed or rehabilitated. It's going to be recreated. If we want to be part of this calling to reconciliation, we got to review our heart. We see we fail. What do we do? Don't just work at getting your heart better. Hand it over because you can't get good enough on your own. The second part of the verse, he says, all this is a gift from God. And what he's saying by that is it's not something that, that we can do in our own strength to make our heart better. Charlotte sent me this great article this week. It was very funny from the satirical website, The Babylon Bee. Has anyone seen it? And it talked about this spoof article about how someone had created a spiritual Fitbit, right? <laughs> and the idea was that this spiritual Fitbit would track how well you did and how good you were at different spiritual practices, Right? So this, the, the Fitbit would measure how many page turns of your Bible you had, right? And it would measure uh, how, you, how long your hands were in prayer position, right? And it would track how many handshakes you gave at church. <laughs> and while it's a satirical article, the reality is all of us have some kind of internal measurement that says, am I doing better? Am I, am I becoming more devout? Am I becoming more holy? And those are good questions to ask, but we don't find the answer in doing more stuff. The number one selling book in our nation right now, books, category of books, is what? Self-help. But we just can't get ourselves enough help, Right? And so what Paul is saying, if we want to be part of this glorious plan to reconcile the world, we review our heart, we see it's failed, and then we trade our heart in. Because it cannot be fixed by human effort or better resolutions or more discipline or more reading. We have to trade it in. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, not a retrofitted creation, not a, not a 2.0 version. He is a new creation. If we want to reconcile, we got to review our heart and realize that we failed and trade that heart in for a new one.
That's what following Jesus is all about. That's the best plan for the new year. It's not more resolutions or more goals. It's surrendering and saying, Jesus, your way, not mine. Your plans, not mine. Your heart, let it overflood and overwhelm my heart so that you are everything in me. We review our heart and we see we failed. So reconciliation means that our hearts are recreated by Christ. And then we get this call. Verse 18. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave them this message of reconciliation, that we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. For God made Christ, who had never sinned, be the sin offering for our sin so that we can be made right with God through Christ. We review our hearts and we see we got a problem. So we surrender our heart and take on the new life that Jesus gives. But with this new life, and this is where we often fail, we have a great commission to be ambassadors of Jesus. You know what an ambassador is, right? Someone who represents a, a, another country in a foreign land. And there are all kinds of rights and powers that are associated with that. One is that when you are on official business as an official ambassador, everywhere you walk, you walk in the authority of that land that you belong to. So for instance, as a Brit, if I was a proper legal ambassador and I started walking in America because of where my home is, all the steps that I make become, while I'm there, territory of the United Kingdom. It's what an ambassador does. What Paul is reminding us here is that we have the same authority and the same responsibility as people who belong to Jesus. We review our heart. It's broken. It doesn't work. We get our new heart given to us by God and our home, therefore then, doesn't become this world. It becomes heaven. And while we're living in this world, we are living as ambassadors. And therefore, every step we take now from this new heart becomes territory belonging to the kingdom of heaven. Paul is saying, you review your heart and you realize you fail, so you trade your heart. But when you get this new heart, you get this responsibility as an ambassador. We've been given this task of reconciling people to him. Let me just remind you that there is nothing that you can do this year that will be as important as this responsibility that we have been given. We have been given this task of reconciling people to God 
for that's what Christ did to the world, no longer counting people's sins against them. There's so much in that little verse, no longer counting people's sins against them. The first thing I would say is that one of the reasons why we have so much division is because we're so quick to tally up the sins that are committed against us, right? Well, they're wrong on that. I'll add it to their account. The second thing that's interesting about this verse is the word count. It's actually an accounting term, no surprise there, but it speaks specifically to debt. Have you seen those debt calculators that some of the news channels put up from time to time, right? Just a, a huge LED strip and the last few numbers are just continually going up and up and up. That's the image that Paul is painting here. That our sins are on a debt calculator and it just goes up and up and up and up. And Paul's saying that the great thing about following Jesus and because of what he did on the cross is he pressed the reset button on that. Now that number keeps, keeps going up because we keep messing up. But every time we say, God, forgive me, he presses that, that reset button. And that's the message that, that we have to share. That's the message of reconciliation that we offer to a broken, divided world. It's not, let me tally what you've done wrong. It's let me tell you about how we can press the reset button. Because what happens when people get that reset button pressed by Jesus when they become ambassadors of this kingdom of love, walls break down and barriers that divided get flipped upside down and turned into bridges. We've got this task to be reconcilers. Never has our world needed the church to walk in this calling more than today. We review our heart. What are our motivations? How sincere are we? How's my perspective? And we realize it's off. And so we have to trade our heart and we're, we're made new with Christ. And with this new heart comes this call to make a difference, to reconcile. And it happens because Jesus presses the reset button on our, our debt, our sin clock. Come back to God, for God, who never sinned, became the sin offering for us so that we could be made right with God through Christ. What that last verse means, and it's so, it's so significant, is that I got this little debt screen above me, right? And every little sin I do, everything I do wrong, the numbers just keep going and going and going. And I'm grateful that I've received Jesus. I've traded my heart and he presses the reset that makes me right with God. But all of us have these same screens above us. It's like one of those little video games, right? And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus looked at those screens for everybody 
and he added it all together. And on the cross, he pressed the reset button for everybody. The problem is that not everybody realizes, not everybody accepts that Jesus has pressed the reset button for them. It is our role as ministers of reconciliation to love people, to speak truth to people. In Jesus' name, help them to understand that that reset button, because of what Jesus has done, can be pressed for them. We're ministers of reconciliation. How, do we, how, how does that work? Well, first of all, we review our own heart and we realize it's collapsed, so we trade it and we receive this, this new heart, this new life. And once we've got this new heart, this new life, we, we become ambassadors, ministers of reconciliation, saying to a world that sin count is just getting higher, hey, that number has been reset. It's been forgiven by Jesus. As we start the new year, there are three things I would encourage you to do. One, review your heart. Be honest with that. You, you'll see some really good things in there because you're made in the image of God. But if you're honest, you'll see some things that are really broken and manipulative. And therefore, the second thing to do is to give your heart to Jesus again. Because it's only he that can reconcile us, give us the heart that we need to be made right with Christ. The third thing to do, having done that, is to start walking out this call to be a reconciler, to view people differently. Not to see them for all the things they do wrong. Not to see them for their sin and their mistakes. But to see them as people for whom Jesus wants to press the reset button for.